It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. Seven on a Saturday morning, 61 Yes, I said that. 61 degrees outside. This is January. In case you haven't looked at the calendar recently, this is January. Two or three weeks ago, we had snow, ice coating the trees. We were really cold. And now it is January, and it is 61 degrees outside. And I'm in the studio wearing a T-shirt, a little light jacket. I could wear just a T-shirt if I wanted to this morning when I came out of the house. What is going on? I have actually had calls, uh, calls a bunch, emails from folks with pictures of these small greenish creatures that are on their neck and their hair. They walk out in the yard, they find these little creatures, little insects on their neck and on their hair. They're green, like about the size of a sesame seed, saying, what are these? They're green peach aphids, green peach aphids that we thought we'd get rid of completely. There's a whole big population of them back in the fall because we didn't have any cold weather until sometime in December, and I thought, well, surely that will kill all the aphids that are up in the trees. People get those little speckles, you know, those little speckles all over your windshield when you park under a tree. I've got speckles on my car from parking under a tree, and the thing that you find on your neck and in your hair and climbing on your shoulder when you're outside right now, green peach aphid, which should not be alive in January. Maybe a couple of eggs somewhere, and that's all. They should not be alive in January. Green peach aphids. And speaking of another insect, or no, another creature, not another insect, another creature that's driving me nuts right now. 6.30, Wednesday morning, I am asleep. I am sound asleep. And I get a text on my phone next to the bed, and I think, oh, man, texts when you're asleep are never good news. And so I pull up my glasses, and I reach for the phone, and I read the text. It was my neighbor, Gus, and Gus is out walking the dogs, which he does every, every morning. He goes and walks the dogs around 6.15, 6.30, and he said, Hey, thought you might want to know, but there's a leak out here by the fountain. I have a fountain out by the street, and uh, it has a, a line, a water line that goes to it that keeps the uh, fountain full so it doesn't go dry. And so I just thought you might want to know there's a leak out here on your fountain. 6.30 a.m., and I'm thinking, I am not getting dressed to go outside and turn off all my water. I'm going down to the basement and turn off the valve that turns off the entire house. And so I went down to the basement, just rolled out of bed, went down to the basement, was happy I didn't fall down the stairs, turn the valve, turn the valve, turn the valve, until it was closed. Went back upstairs and had a little nap. Went back to sleep again. Thank you, Gus, for letting me know that I had the leak out there. And this is not the first time. Two weeks ago, the same water line, the, could be the same squirrel, came out there and bit into that water line, and there was a leak out there then that I corrected two weeks ago. Just fixed the, replaced the little piece of line, and that was the end of the story. But for a squirrel again to chew on my water line just makes me furious. What am I going to do with these things? I don't want to trap and release. I do that during the summertime when they eat my tomatoes, and I take them a couple of miles away and let them go near a wooded, swampy area. But during the wintertime, I figure they've got their little warm places. I don't want to move a squirrel during the winter. He's got his family, and he stays warm. He knows where his food is, et cetera, et cetera. Man, that makes me mad. 
I know that some of you holding over for Odell Williams would say, well, just go shoot them. Just go shoot all the squirrels. Uh, it's not my way. I don't shoot squirrels. I give them a little vacation. I'm, I'm benevolent overlord to my landscape. And I give all of my squirrels a little all-expenses-paid vacations. They get to go to another place and talk to their little squirrel friends over there, and hopefully there are not any water lines to chew on over there. But you know, squirrels chew on everything, everything including Let's see. I can name the things they've chewed on in my property in the last couple of years. One, a gas can. They chewed the nozzle off of my gas can. Number two, they chewed the nozzle off of my vacuum cleaner, my shop vac in the shed that I'd used to vacuum up some sun seed, some uh, uh, sunflower seeds. They chewed off or chewed through the aluminum wire that holds the chain link fence to the horizontal post in my backyard. I've seen pictures of them chewing on a deck, on the edge of a deck. I've seen pictures of them licking the mortar out of a brick. What do squirrels not chew? I don't know what it is. If they had a couple of them over Stone Mountain, they'd chew Stone Mountain down. Oh, man. So anyway, turn the water off to the fountain, and I'll have to go fix it this afternoon. And I don't know what I'm going to do about the squirrels in my neighborhood, but let me tell you, come, uh, come April, when it warms up a little bit, Every squirrel that wants to go, just line up in my backyard because I'm going to have a little, a little train and we're going to take you all over to the swampy place and let you go out there and have your, have your fun with everybody else over there. 404-872-0750. You've got something that's just driving you nuts in your garden and you want to know what I think about it, I'll probably sympathize with you. And, I'll tell you what I know about how to control that creature or that insect or that weed. Or if you want to make a flower bloom, I'll tell you how to make a flower bloom, too. 404-872-0750. 612, we go to the phones with our friend, not a bad person at all, from Griffin, Georgia, our friend Nicole. Hey, Nicole. Mr. Reeve. You got squirrels in Griffin. No, I told you last week, all the squirrels I had a meeting at your house. And they're going to chew stone mountains. <laughs> Cannot cry about it. Might as well laugh about it. Oh, man. Man. You were lucky you didn't have a crawl space. Then we'd have to crawl underneath and get the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm lucky about that. And you know another creature that's sort of irritating me right now? <laughs> Possums. And nor you know you you know this, Nicole. I love possums. I think possums are just the cutest thing in the world. And I play with them sometimes. If people bring me a possum in my neighborhood, I'll play with it, have a picture taken with it, and show them to all the kids and etc. Dad Gummiff one didn't die up there by my shed, and he's pretty ripe. I only noticed it yesterday. What am I going to do with a dead possum? Put it in the street like I find one yesterday morning. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I don't have a big enough clothespin to put over my nose. <laughs> Get close to that bad boy. Whew, he is ripe. Uh, mm. So what do you want to talk about garden-wise, Nicole? Mr. Reed, uh, what's the last time you went to UGA campus in Griffin? Oh, man, in Griffin. It's been a couple of years now, I think. Why? There are buildings for brand new glass house greenhouse. Nice. Yeah, they've expanded the campus down there, so there's much more research being done at the Griffin campus. So that's nice to have more greenhouse space to do some more breeding experiments and uh, things like that. Well, I was talking with Mr. Wade, you know, yeah, on the agent, sure. and he said, I said, there's a lot of uh, new students. He said, not enough. Well, I was thinking, what are they going to do with those four, four? 
glass house. Nobody wants to work in it. Oh, yes, they do. There are more jobs available now in the horticulture, agriculture, ag business, ag economics, ag engineering than you can shake a stick at. There's all sorts of opportunities for people to work in some part of horticulture, and if they want to work in a greenhouse, go to Griffin. Yeah, I mean, just some sight to see. I mean, there's just big money right there. Yeah. Good going. Well, part of it is because agriculture, I've said this many times, agriculture is a huge, I mean, it is the biggest driver of the economy in Georgia. It is billions of dollars worth, and much of the research that's done comes through Griffin and the University of Georgia in Athens. And so if we don't have the greenhouses to do research on new plants and new ways to save water and new ways to use insecticides wisely and things like that, then we don't make as much money is the guys out in Iowa and California, and so we have to have the research, and that's what those greenhouses are for. And growing more food for the population. Exactly, exactly right. Uh, there are so many examples of foods that have been bred to be more nutritious, or foods that have been bred to be you know, improved in some way that have fed millions of people. Millions of people are alive today because of the work that's been done by horticulturists, breeding better rice, breeding better corn, breeding better wheat. They're more productive. They can be grown on droughty areas in other parts of the world. It's amazing the amount of impact that agriculture has, just basic research. I read that uh, Florida wants to uh, get a uh, uh, some kind of study about growing peaches, the north part of it. Huh. Because the orange is not doing <laughs> yeah, anything. The, the oranges have a big disease, greening disease it's called. It's just wiping out the groves down in Florida. And so I guess they, like Georgia, are thinking they can expand into other other uh, avenues. Georgia, of course, is growing blueberries and olives and sesame seeds and other diverse kinds of things because the the other crops are not doing so well. Peaches a little bit are not doing so well in Georgia, but if Florida wants to do it, good, you know, more power to them. Because the land is already clear, isn't it? You don't have to cut the wood to just put a peach tree next to yeah. old orange tree. Right, right. Ready to pull out the orange tree, put a peach tree right next to it. <laughs> They're about the same size, so sure, why not? They'll have the same problems we do with disease, but hopefully they'll have new, improved, more disease-resistant varieties of peach, and then they'll have something maybe they'll be an advantage over us. The audiences already out the ground. No, hyacinths. I haven't seen hyacinths. So my daffodils are up and two or three blooming. I haven't seen hyacinths, though. Hyacinth. Uh, hyacinth? Are you not saying hyacinth? What are you saying with that nice Toronto French Canadian accent, Miss? Hyacinth. Just the purple and the white and smell good. Yeah, yeah, the hyacinth. The hyacinth, yes. All of mine are out. Mine not. Mine are not. Just my daffodils. Daffodil, too? Well, you know, Griffin is warmer than Atlanta, so you got to head start on me down there. You're growing flowers earlier than I am, Nicole. There may be change in 7B and 7C, isn't it? Yeah, you're right on the edge of zone 7A, 7B, and then 8A. So, yeah, you're in a pretty, you know, pretty nice transition zone down there in Griffin, McDonough, Fayette County, Pike County. That's a real definite transition zone between the cold parts of Georgia and the warmer parts of middle Georgia. So, yeah, you can expect things to be a little early down there, cherry trees, things like that as well. And we need to know how to dress every morning. <laughs> T-shirt. Start with a T-shirt and then go up from there. Incredible this year. It sure is. Well, Nicole, it's great talking to you. we got to get out of here, but it's wonderful to talk to you and hear your voice again. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your hyacinths. We'll see you soon. It's 8, oh, 6.18. We'll be back after this.
This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Saturday is an 80% chance of storms today, sometime during the day. And, of course, we'll break into news if there's any chance of severe storms. The high today, 70 degrees, low overnight, 57. Tomorrow, storms, 90% likely. Pretty much the same uh, chances of severe storms tomorrow, but the high is 97 and the low is 49. Going down just a little bit in a couple of days from now. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. We got Mary Tart joining us from Lawrenceville. Hey, Mary. Good morning. Good morning. <clears throat> sorry, the last time I <clears throat> sorry, <laughs> the last time I called you, um, I was trying to plant uh, a late fall garden. Yeah, and we had problems trying to get the plant to grow. Well, that problem went away. The deer ate everything. (laughs) (laughs) So like the squirrels, you have an animal you don't care to have in the neighborhood. Correct. So my question is, are deer repellents effective? Most of them, not enough that you would have 100% confidence in them. I know that there's some gardeners who really swear by two. The first one is liquid fence. And the other okay. one is plant skid, P-L-A-N-T-S-K-Y-Y-D. And I see plant skid occasionally at, at hardware stores, and I see liquid fence occasionally at garden centers and hardware stores as well. But those are the only two that I've had positive, pretty uniform positive response from gardeners. But in a, in a vegetable garden, of course, you can't spray it on the plants. And one of the ways that you make a, a repellent effective is by uh, putting it on the leaves and parts of the plant that they eat. And so just playing, spraying a perimeter around the garden may or may not actually work. Okay. Okay. Let me well, give you we'll... something that will work. You want something that will work, Mary? Yes. Learn about electric fences. They're not expensive. This <clears throat> 40 or $50 for a big box store, you can get these dog electric fence, not the invisible fence that you bury underground, okay. but the regular shocking you know, tape or, or, or uh, wire and put around your vegetable garden. And I promise you an electric fence is so much better and so much more effective and so much uh, reliable than anything else you can do as a repellent right around a vegetable garden. And that's what... Um that's what someone on our, in our group had recommended, electric fences. Our only concern now would be the children. And that's why you put big signs around it and uh, tell parents and tell the kids. And, you know, if you want some details about how to make the electric fence a little more trainable, maybe, to the deer, to train the deer to avoid the electric fence, go on my website at WalterReeves.com and type the word peanut butter, two words, peanut butter, because it's peanut butter that will help you to train the deer to stay away from the fence. And uh, it might be intriguing enough for you to go look that up. But do, of course, tell the kids and the parents in the neighborhood. I've been shocked by these fences many times. It didn't do anything particularly other than maybe go, wah! And maybe we'll go back. It's 628. We'll be back after news.
It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 6.35 on a Saturday morning. Welcome, my friends. This is the Lawn and Garden Show, and I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, the guy that gives you advice based on research and based on a little bit of my own experience about what does and doesn't work in your garden, what you can and cannot do. If you need an excuse for not getting out, of course, the rain coming later today may give you the best excuse of all, but if you would just rather not do something, I'll give you a great excuse for not doing it. I've avoided much work in the garden in my life, and I will help you do the same. My number, as you heard a minute ago, 404-872-0750, the number that Betty dialed just a few minutes ago, and here she is. Betty's on the line. Hi, Betty. Good morning, morning. Uh, Walter. I'm not sure if this uh, question is appropriate. It's not actually a garden, but it's I about, have if an it's enormous... about politics, we're not talking politics on this show this no. morning. <laughs> I have an enormous, beautiful aloe vera oh, plant. Okay. Okay. Uh, it was outside, and of course I brought it in and taken care of it. It is enormous. I want to know, can you uh, uh, propagate those? Can you start them from the spear? Yeah, oh, oh, heck yeah, heck yeah. I've got oh, one. how? I'm remembering now how long I've had this aloe from my mother's aloe. 10, 15, something like that, years wow. I've had my mom's aloe plant, so you surely can, yeah. Um, well, I've got... A lot of the little suckers, the little babies that came up now, and yeah. I've planted those, and that's fine. Yeah. But I mean right directly from one of the spears. Yeah, yeah. So what you do from the spears is cut a piece about six inches long, seems to be what I used. And the thing to remember about propagating aloe is you leave the spear, the branch, the cutting, whatever you want to call it, um, out on a piece of paper towel for at least a day or two or three or maybe even four. You want the bottom of it to dry up and not be all gooey gummy. And you know how they get gooey and gummy when you cut them. And um, so once it's dried up, then you simply take a pot of very loose potting soil, maybe add some sand to the potting soil to make it really loose and dry or get some cactus mix potting soil that has a lot of sand already, and uh, put that in a pot and put this cutting down about oh, an inch, just enough to keep it upright in the, in the pot, water it once every two or three or four maybe days so it stays moist but not soggy. And gosh darn, within ooh, about a month, Betty, if you have good light on it, it'll say little bitty aloe sprouts, little bitty aloe sprouts right next to the, right next to the one you cut and put in the soil. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Okay. All right. That my question. Well, that's the answer then. All mm -hmm. I'm hired to do is give answers and not ask questions. <laughs> <So> <laughs> you got the so answer, much. Betty. Bye-bye. Um, Good luck with it. 404-872-0750. If you have a question about other things you can propagate. I've got new ways of propagating things that I tried last year that worked out remarkably well. One of which, the one I like the most, is using a milk jug to propagate seeds in the wintertime. Yeah, it was fun. Melvin is in Austell and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Melvin, good morning. Well, good morning, Walter. How are you? I'm well. How can I help, Melvin? Yes, I was calling to see if I can do anything to help my fruit trees. Do I need to spray anything or fertilizer? You know, I looked out yesterday as I was driving, Melvin, and I saw the cherry trees are beginning to bloom. And I thought to myself, I wonder if anybody's 
peach trees are getting starting to ready to bloom because if you had a peach tree and apple trees too the time to start spraying them is actually when they bloom which is early now i think but mm, check your tree and see if you see any blood blooms on it if you do yeah i can fertilize them not fertilize the spray that you put on in the when the bloom time comes is a fungicide that helps protect the peaches from brown rot, which is a really voracious, nasty disease, but it's spread in the spring. Can you tell me the name name of the product? I think Captan is the one most likely to find at a garden center. C-A-P-T-A-N, Captan. Okay. Okay. It's just an insecticide, or just a fungicide, so it does not hurt bees and hurt anybody else. And I would do the same on an apple tree that was blooming, when the blooms are full. And then my... my, uh, um, mustardine, can I prune them today? Oh, be, if it's not too wet. Yeah, sure, go ahead. Okay. Wait for the rain. Right now the rain is in, let's see, it's around Birmingham right now. So, Melvin, you've got a couple hours to get your uh, muscadines pruned. Okay, thank you, thank you, and you have a good day. You too, Melvin. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take Melvin's place. we got Mike up in Dunwoody, Georgia. He's on the line. Hey, Mike, good morning. 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 I've got uh, to prune or not to prune. <laughs> what? What do you want to prune or not want to prune? Roses. Uh, let's see. Bayberry. Uh, butterfly bush. Yeah. Flowering uh, plants. Let me go down the list because there are differences between them, and the ones you named will have different answers depending on sort of the weather and how it affects. On roses, no. I wouldn't prune them now because if you prune roses now when the buds are still real small, it will cause the plant to react in warm weather, which looks like we're going to have for the next week or so. It'll cause the buds to swell and become very susceptible to cold. And I'm not predicting, I don't know what Kirk says, but I am not predicting no more cold weather this winter. Here it is only January. So no on the roses. Wait till mid to late February when they are pretty sure the buds are, are swelling, but they're not going to be any more cold weather after that. Okay, so February okay. for the roses. Um, bayberry. Yeah, there's no reason. Is it barberry? Barberry, I think, is what you really meant to say, right? The it's one with... a pur- purple berry that the birds love. It's oh. on the end end of the uh, limbs. If it is barberry, which is, does it have thorns? Is that what you're negative? Describing? No thorns. Bayberry? I mean, bayberry is uh, like there's a wax myrtle that some people call way bayberry, but it doesn't have the purple. And eh, look that one up. You're gonna have to Google that one. It seemed oh, like uh, what was the third one you had in there? Uh, uh, butterfly bush. Uh, bu- butterfly bush. Yes, today, this afternoon. Do it now. The better you prune the butterfly bush, and I mean, if you've got one six feet high, prune it down to two feet high. But the better you prune it in the wintertime, the more lush and dense and vigorous the flowers will be in the summer. And I needed to do my mother's uh, last Wednesday when I was there, and I didn't have my pruner, so I didn't do it. But maybe this coming Wednesday I'll prune my mother's way back, down to two feet. Okay. Larry Opie? Uh, get a mulching lawnmower and run over it good, set it up pretty high, as high probably as the mower will go, and run over with a mulching lawnmower, and that will, won't make a mess in the rest of the lawn where the, where the Liriope is. Yeah, do it today. Cool. I guess I'm going to be busy before it rains. Right before it rains. You know, if you want a whole guide, Mike, about 
Again, this is a long time ago. This has been 15 or 20 years ago. Dude, I wrote a guide to pruning all shrubs that I put in the newspaper. And I remember thinking when I put it there that the file was so big and so unwieldy to see on a computer screen that I made it in a different, more readable form. But I have both of them on my website. So if you go to WalterReeves.com and just type in pruning calendar, I think you'll go to the page that has a big pruning list of what to prune, when and how and why and all that kind of stuff. Give you a nice guide of things to prune today, tomorrow, and later on in the year. That's great news. Thank you so much. You bet, Mike. Thanks for calling. 43, 43 minutes past the hour. Brother Watson down in Union City, Georgia. Hey, Watson, good morning. Good morning. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, my friend. I was just by your place the other day on this past Wednesday. I went to Holly Hill Cemetery looking for my grandfather's uh, uh, grave site because I needed to take a picture of it to put on my own personal family website. And so I was there in Union City just last Wednesday. Yes, sir. Welcome to Union City anytime. Yes, sir. What can I do for you, Watson? Uh, okay, last year I had a good crop of blueberries, yeah. but uh, I didn't get a single one. The birds got all yeah. the blueberries. Yeah, of course. Is there something I can spray on them? Now my blueberries are beginning to bud already. Um, and is there something I can get to spray on there to make them, <laughs> that defer them, uh, make them birds sick? <laughs> <laughs> It'll make you sick too, Watson. That's <laughs> uh, what, what I was thinking. I made the best thing for blueberry protection from birds last year that worked like a charm. It took a little uh-huh. bit of work to do, but uh-huh. I made a cage, for lack of a better word. I went to the hardware store and got a bunch of uh, half-inch PVC plumbing pipe and some corners and elbows and joiners and stuff, and made a cage to go over the blueberry bushes, four of them in a row. It was about uh-huh. seven feet high, I'm guessing, because it's a little bit higher than my head, and right. it's uh, five feet deep and about 18 feet long, I guess. And uh-huh. uh, I put it over the thing, put the netting over that, of course, and there was no bird damage. And we were harvesting blueberries in July, August, when all the usually you wouldn't get any blueberries in July and August because the birds got them all. But the cage is uh-huh. great. So with a little bit of handiness, handiness, because uh-huh. it's just like sticking pinker toys together, sort of. You put those little plumbing pieces together, and uh, you might want to ask the plumbing helper guy to you know, figure out which corner pieces you need. But, yeah, you can make a cage with netting, and that's the only thing I think that will protect blue. All right, I'll, I'll try that. All right. All right, then. Anything else, Watson? Uh, no, sir, that's all. All right, uh, man. Just, just have a happy day. Happy, happy day. That's what we all want, yes, Watson. Sir. Thanks for calling. Yes, sir. Thank you. Kathy is up in Alpharetta, and Kathy joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Kathy. Good morning. Good morning, Walter. I love your show. Thank you so much. How can I help? I have a hibiscus that is in the ground Mm -hmm. that is a maroon color that the blooms the first year were probably eight inches in diameter. Last year, about six inches in diameter. But I have something that loves to eat. The leaves up, they look like lace, and yes. the only thing I see is like a flying, I don't know, like a tiny little fly of some sort, but wow. they love that thing. They will make those leaves look like lace. Let me tell you what you have. The little flying things are called sawflies, and what eats the leaves is the larva of a sawfly, which looks like a caterpillar, 
but you never see them. They're out there during the night in the early morning when the humidity is real high, and during the day they crawl off the leaf and go down to the ground and hide yep. down there. Yep, and they make I've the never leaves lacy. Yeah, lacy, lacy, lacy. That's exactly what you have with hibiscus sawfly. Um, what, how two do I ways. get rid of them? Two ways. The one that I'm doing and have done for a year and worked great last year, I'm going to do it again this year, is I put a systemic insecticide in the ground in, it was March, I guess, of last year, the Bayer tree and shrub works. There are a couple of other products that say systemic insecticide granules. Bonide granules is another brand that Pike has. And you put it on the ground, it waters it in, and it makes the sap poisonous, and the hibiscus leaves are perfect. Oh, wow, because this thing is beautiful. Yeah, and fertilize it while we're around uh, doing the systemic. Fertilize it and get those flowers bigger, because we want some big old hibiscus flowers, and they will do better if you fertilize well, if I get them much bigger, they're going to fall over because they are gorgeous. Oh, yeah. But what do I fertilize it with? Anything you feel 10, like. 10, yeah, 10, 10, 10 is fine. Yeah, when the first sprouts come up in the spring in late March, I'm guessing, put the fertilizer out then. All right. Well, I guess I'll make a trip to Pike and see what I can find. I guess we will. Tell them I said hello. <laughs> I will. Thanks for Thank calling, you. Kathy. You bet. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden at 648. We'll be back right after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the Lawn and Garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Securities. 80% chance of some rain this afternoon, perhaps severe. We'll keep you updated on that if it comes that way. High today, 70 degrees, low overnight, 57. Tomorrow, storms about the same, 90, 80% chance of storms and rain in various parts of Atlanta tomorrow. Some could be severe again. The high tomorrow, 67, and the low, 49. Your full weekend forecast. Comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Don't forget to contact me. You can also use Twitter. Use the hashtag AskWalter. If you have a Twitter account, just put your question with a hashtag AskWalter. And Ashley will read the question out, and I will answer it on the air in a few minutes. How about that? 655 and Jefferson in Kennesaw joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Jefferson, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How you doing? Doing great. How can I help? Um, well, I've got uh, three Myers lemons I just planted a couple years ago. Yeah. Bring them inside in the winter. Yeah. None of them have bared any fruit or flowers. Are they male and female? Are they male and female? Nope. Nope. Uh, what's the word? I forget the word for plants that don't have male-female flowers on it. They have perfect flowers. And the most likely cause, honestly, Jefferson, is light. They need a bunch of light during the wintertime to flower very well. Okay, so that's probably the reason why. Uh, if you want to know what I do for mine, I've got this little mire I've had for now five, six years, I guess now. But I get those aluminum shop lights. You can get them real cheap from the big box stores and get a great monster fluorescent bulb to put in there, like a 100-watt fluorescent bulb. And I have three or four maybe, all of them around one mire lemon. That bad boy is lit up during the day, and it flowers. It flowers very nicely. Really? Yeah. How, how's the fruit on it that you get? Pretty good? Uh, they're big as a large, big-sized lemon. I mean, they're almost the size of an orange. Yeah. Okay. Big. Yeah. 
Nice. Okay, well, I'm going to try that. Yeah, nice. yeah, I've been wondering. I've been, like, you know, taking care of them. Yeah. Nice healthy. I'm like, where's the, where's the fruit? Yeah, yeah, well, that's what you take care of them for. You want some fruit, some, something to eat, something to make uh, drinks out of lemonade, Meyer lemonade, or, or, you know, limoncello or something like that. Yeah, but light is the deal. That's what plants eat is light. They eat light and carbon dioxide, not fertilizer, but light and carbon dioxide. You got carbon dioxide for free. The light you provide during the wintertime, it will bloom. It's 658 at News Talk WSB, the number 404-872-0750. We'll be back after news.